Welcome to the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. Welcome back into another edition of the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. It is Thursday, April 18th, episode 110. I've got the gang with me here, Zach Henson and Brian Franklin. Zach, how are you doing? Doing well. What's up? Brian, we've got you on as well. We're going to talk some receivers today. You excited? Yes, about the receivers. Yeah, much better than the running backs. Yes, complete 180 this week. Absolutely. Uh, I, Zach, Brian, you guys are both like big golf guys, right? Or you guys used to golf? Long, long I, time ago. I mean, did you I keep have up? officially retired. Yes. Did you watch the Masters, though? Oh, yeah. Of course. I mean, it's like boring small talk at this point to ask if you watched the Masters, but uh, where were you when you saw it? How excited were you guys? I know you guys were the, like the Tiger generation. How, how awesome was that seeing his comeback? I really enjoyed it. It was fun to watch. And um, I went out and bought a dozen golf balls, which is just stupid. And um, I haven't played in over a year, but I bought a dozen golf balls. So I'm ready. Brian, what about you? Uh, I, was, I was super pumped for it, too. I was just so amazed that it seemed like universally everybody really wanted Tiger to win. As soon as he was in contention, just about everybody was really rooting for him. And I, I thought that was pretty cool to see because it wasn't like that in his heyday at all. Right. Yeah. And everyone, it kind of sparked conversations about the greatest comebacks in sports history. Uh, so I don't want to put you guys on the spot, but Zach, do you have, what's the biggest comeback in your mind? Maybe not the biggest, but your favorite comeback in sports. Really? I mean, this is a question. Yeah. I'm just waiting for you to play the music. Oh yeah. Like Mike, be like Mike. There you go. All I got which comeback? Are we talking about like the comeback from the White Sox or coming back against? No, no, no. From the White Sox. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was a great comeback. That was a good comeback. Yeah. Brian, what about you? Do you have a comeback that comes to mind? No, I think this is it. I really genuinely think that, that, that this is the most amazing comeback I've ever seen because just all the storylines involved with it, he had all of those injuries. I mean, he ruptured his Achilles. He had two back fusion surgeries. He had all of that personal stuff, which, you know, granted, he was most of his own doing. (laughs) I mean, we're talking like 10 years or or 11 years since he last won a major. And then the fact, I think the biggest thing about all of this is that he did it in an individual sport. So it's not like a lot of these other comeback stories where, you know, somebody comes back and, you know, they're, you know, 80% of what they were before, but they lead their team to a championship or something, and they can kind of lean on their teammates a little bit in times when they're not feeling great. You can't do any of that. He's got to be at his best all weekend. So I just I think this is the best comeback in sports history. My own personal favorite comebacks, I mean, Steve Nash coming back to Phoenix when he left to go to the Mavericks and then won two back-to-back MVPs. That was a cool one. Uh, Peyton Manning coming back for a senior season at UT. That was a lot of fun. And then the biggest comeback of all time, I mean, sorry, Zach and Brian, but it's, it's Bobby Boucher coming back and leading the Bud Dogs in that big win in the Bourbon Bowl. Waterboy? Yeah, yeah. All right. And, uh, yeah. We'll move on. Nicely done. Okay. All right, we'll move on. Uh, so bringing it back to football here, uh, we'll do a, a trip around the league. Let's take a trip around the league. As we record this on Thursday night, it is April 18th, like I said earlier, and we are exactly seven days from the NFL draft right here in Nashville, Tennessee. It's kind of snuck up on us, wouldn't you say, Brian? Yeah, a little bit. I haven't been thinking about it that much, but I'm definitely – I'm going Friday 
I probably go down during the day for a lot of the uh, a lot of the activities. Just kind of walk around downtown and both uh, and around Nissan Stadium too, and just take part in all that. And then watch the second and third round that night. Really excited about it. Yeah, I am too. Are you going with like a big group or going solo? Yeah, I'm going with a couple of guys, and so we, we're gonna we're just gonna kind of make a day of it. Uh, Russ Fowler says he might run a forty. I think that'll be hilarious. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, I gotta find Russ Fowler because I used to work for Russ at May Pearls, the frozen yogurt place. Rest in peace. Yeah. And Russ Fowler's favorite Titans player of all time is Carl Klug. Really? That, that pretty much makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he he loved the fullback packages with Carl Klug. Um, yeah, that's cool. What, Zach, are you gonna try and go to the draft at all? Yeah, if the uh, if the Dan Patrick show is there, which they haven't really announced anything, then I'm definitely gonna go down. Um, Rich Austin's show said they'd be down for four days. So I would imagine the DP show will be there. So hopefully I can uh, get down there for that. I think it'd be fun. I'm taking off work on Thursday and I'm going to try and do all the different shows on Broadway. I knew uh, first take like Stephen A. Smith's going to be there. Got to see him in person. Uh, Good morning football. Got to see Kay Adams in person. Uh, don't tell Brandy that, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. Um, there's going to be a lot of stuff happening, I think, on the east side of the bridge by Nissan Stadium. But uh, just seeing the stage, I think, is going to be really cool. I, I would have never – I mean, growing up here like you guys, I would have never thought that, that our the capital city of our state would get the NFL draft. It's just – it's still mind-boggling. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, so let's, uh, let's do this trip around the league real quick here. The full NFL schedule was actually released Wednesday night of this week. Um, so just real quick, guys, let's let's knock this out. What was your reaction, Zach, to the Titans' schedule? Uh, what do you think of of their schedule? Rough. I think it's I think it's a tough schedule. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there you could definitely say that the toughest stretch for me is that back quarter. I mean, you you get kind of a softball with the Raiders, possibly. Who knows what they're going to do? But that feels like a win. But then you got to play Houston, the Saints, and then Houston again. That trio right there, that three pack, is going to be kind of tough. Yeah, for sure. Brian, what do you think of the Titans' schedule? Yeah, it's just unfortunate this year that, that you get both the NFC South and the AFC West because I think those are going to be two really strong conferences. So it's just it's kind of unfortunate. I, I think it's but I think it's going to hurt everybody mm. in our division. You know, everybody's got to play each of those teams. So so hopefully it's uh, it's not going to trip us up too much. Uh, but I wouldn't be expecting whoever comes out of the AFC South to have a very high seed in the playoffs. Right. Yeah, and going back to 2014, a, a group of friends and I, we, we have a tradition of going to the first Titans away game no matter where it's at. So uh, we've been to Kansas City and Tampa Bay, Detroit. So we've, we've traveled for the first away game the last five years. So I, was, I always look for that first away game, and this year it's at Cleveland week one. So, you know, it's going to be insane. I don't know if, if they're going to have everything rolling at that point that early in the year, but uh, that could be a sneaky good game around the league with, with all the additions to the Browns. What do you guys think of, of week one Titans-Browns? I think it'll be a very, very hyped-up game. So I think that'll be a great one to go to. No primetime games for the Titans this year either. Well, I mean, Thursday night football against the Jags, but that to me just doesn't really feel – uh, like prime time. Were you surprised, Brian, that after three straight nine and seven seasons, the Titans didn't get a, a real prime time game? No, I'm not surprised. We're always going to get slighted like that. It's just a small market team kind of thing. We've got to go 11 and five or 12 and four to get any kind of recognition the next season and getting some prime time games. 
have you guys looked at the rest of the league schedules? Are there any other matchups that you guys can can think off the top of your head uh, for the remainder of the teams in 2019 that you're looking forward to? I have not, Brian. Yeah, I haven't really looked at it either. I've just kind of been focusing on the Titans schedule. Um, that Packers Bears just to kick off the season on yeah. Thursday night. That that should be a fun one to start the season with, especially with two. You know, it's one of the biggest rivalries in the NFL. So that should be pretty good one to start the season off with. But no, I haven't really dug through much of it yet. The two that come to mind for me that I'm really looking forward to both involve the Steelers. So the first Sunday night football game of the year is week one. Uh, Pats host the Steelers. Uh, and so that, that's always a good matchup because that always, to me, it feels like that ends up being the AFC championship game. Uh, like probably five of the last I don't know, seven years, that's been the AFC championship game is Pat Steelers. So that should be a good one. You kind of want to see what the Steelers offense looks like now without Le'Veon Bell, without AB, you know, without Mike Munchak, see that offensive line can keep up, but that one looks good. And then another Steelers game, the Jets host the Steelers in week 16. So that'll be the first game that Le'Veon Bell plays against the Steelers. So you kind of want to see what happens there. Uh, but both, both those Steelers games look good. All right, next one here, Duke Johnson, the running back for the Cleveland Browns, has – we I think we talked about this a, you know, a month ago or so on one of our last episodes, but uh, Duke Johnson requested a trade from the Cleveland Browns, and the general manager, John Dorsey, said he doesn't care. He said that Duke Johnson is a member of this football team moving forward, no questions asked. So, Brian, do you – if Duke Johnson is even on the roster week one – what sort of role does he even have? I mean, I it, it doesn't seem like he has much of a role in Cleveland, which probably explains why he wants a, a trade. I will think he will have a did-not-play-coach's decision. I think that's going to be his role. I, I don't see Duke Johnson ending up having any kind of impact. And Well, maybe at the beginning of the year before Kareem Hunt comes back. But certainly after Kareem Hunt comes back, he's not he's not going to play at all. I don't even think he'll dress if he's still on, on the team. I mean, Freddie Kitchens loves throwing the ball to Duke Johnson, but the carries just aren't there. I mean, last year in 2018, 40 rushes for 201 yards, no rushing touchdowns. He had 47 catches, 429 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. So uh, 87 touches last year, and that was without Kareem Hunt. So I, I don't imagine him having a big role. I think before Kareem Hunt comes back, which is actually after week nine, if you include their bye week, uh, it's going to be – uh, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's going to be the, the bell cow there, I think. So uh, Duke Johnson, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get traded. I know they're saying no now, but the, the few weeks leading up to the draft, every GM is the biggest liar in the NFL, uh, the couple of weeks, you know, leading into the draft. So don't be surprised if you see Duke Johnson on like the Cardinals or something. Next story here is the New England Patriots signed receiver Demarius Thomas to a one-year $6 million deal. I was surprised by this one because of the popped Achilles that he had last year after the trade deadline and popped Achilles. That's like, I don't know. That's like the word moist. It's just like hearing it just kind of makes me cringe. Uh, but he, yeah, the injury that ended last season, he's 31 years old. So Zach, do you think that Demarius Thomas has any type of role with the Patriots this year? Uh, I mean, it'll just, you'll have to see how healthy he is, you know, to even come back from something like that at that age. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see if he's even healthy, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't even make the roster. I mean, after the draft, you know, the, the Pats could probably draft a guy late or sign, you know, a certain white Clemson receiver, uh, like a guy like Hunter Renfro or just some, some like former lacrosse player, like a Chris Hogan type. Uh, just it seems to be the Patriots' M.O. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if Thomas didn't even make the team. 
Uh, and speaking of Chris Hogan, the Panthers, Carolina Panthers signed Chris Hogan to a one-year deal worth up to $2 million. So as one pass receiver comes in, one leaves, goes to the, the Panthers for $2 million. Seemed like a low deal for Hogan, who I think had a pretty – he got paid by the Pats a couple of years ago on that contract. But uh, the Panthers, just like the Patriots, they're probably also going to draft a receiver. So I don't think Hogan will be much of anything in Carolina. Uh, Brian, have you heard anything about Cam Newton and, and his status? Because it, it doesn't look like he will you know, start the season coming off his injury. No, I haven't heard a whole lot about it. But I, I'll, I'll tell you right now, and it's, this is not just a, for fantasy reasons, but I'm not a big believer in Cam Newton in general. I don't think he makes his receivers better. I don't think he puts the ball in a position to really give his receivers a chance to, to make plays up the field. And the more injured he is, it seems like the less effective he is because he has to take some of that uh, some of that running ability off the table. And so, yeah, I mean, a healthy Cam Newton is, is really, I think, the only way he's effective. Right. This next one here, the last headline before we start talking receivers, is probably the biggest headline or one of the biggest headlines heading into the draft next week. And this is around the team with the first overall pick. So a new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury, who – you know, has that, that big 12, um, you know, offense and the air raid and, and seems like a quarterback like Josh Rosen is not his type. So the Cardinals actually released a hype video for the 2019 season. And in that video were sprinkled footage of Josh Rosen. So, you know, Zach, do you think them doing that, does that mean that they're, they're going to stick with Josh Rosen and maybe not draft Kyler Murray first overall? Um, I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't know why they did a hype video unless they're just trying to get some leverage yeah. somehow. I mean, I have no idea, but I don't, I don't think anybody's going to pass up Kyler Murray here. Yeah, so it, it would seem like they'd make a, you know, a draft night trade to a team like the Redskins or somebody, but it, just, it doesn't seem like Josh Rosen is going to be a fit with the Cardinals. He even made a statement recently saying you know, he respects decisions of executives, and if they have to get rid of him, they get rid of him. But uh, Brian, do you think the Cardinals go with Kyler Murray first overall? I think they probably will. And I think he's definitely a fit for the Kingsbury offense. And I, I, I think he's exactly who he wants to, to start with. He wants to, for them to start on the same level, both kind of as rookies, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, and to hopefully grow together. Uh, I, I, could, I could see that being what Cliff Kingsbury wants. All right, moving on to the prospects. We've already talked quarterbacks and tight ends. We talked on the last episode about the running backs in this class. And now talking about the wide receivers, Brian, you mentioned it. This is a much, I don't know, much more encouraging conversation than we had last week on the running backs. But with the wide receivers, it, it seems like, you know, maybe not a, a top 10 pick is in this class, but you've got three or four guys that could go first round and at least five or six more you know that could go in the second round uh so what before we start breaking down uh these individual prospects brian what are your overall thoughts on the receiver class this year yeah i think you nailed it the, the, there's not any single receiver that stands out as like a can't miss kind of prospect but there's a lot of guys in the late half of the first round through the second and probably even even in the third and the fourth guys that deserve second round grades uh, there's just a lot of size with this class, a lot of productivity, mm -hmm. a lot of guys who will just go grab the ball at the high point. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot to like and a ton of athleticism in this class. So there's a lot to like with these guys. 
Yeah, and a lot of so we're going to talk about the top ten names here that have been you know discussed with these receivers and, and the top prospects of this draft. Of the ten that we're going to talk about, uh, just doing the last bit of research here, only three of them are seniors. So a lot of guys coming out early, uh, and so sometimes that doesn't pay off. Like we talked about Elijah Holyfield Jr., the guy from uh, from Georgia, possibly coming out a little too early, might might have wanted to stay back. We may see that be the case with some receivers this year, but. Um, yeah, the majority of these guys are coming out as redshirt sophomores and juniors. So um, let's break down the top 10 here. And what I'm going to do, so according to a tweet from Jake Stanifer's boy, Evan Silva, this was on Wednesday, he said every year Bob McGinn, who is a Packers beat reporter, he pulls NFL scouts and executives on their draft evaluations. So the order in which we're going to discuss this year's receivers, these are going to be based on McGinn's findings. So this is uh, the top 10 according to – uh, you know, kind of a polling of different uh, draft scouts and executives. So, Brian, you ready? Let's do it. All right. The name that's been discussed the most is the redshirt sophomore from Ole Miss, DK Metcalf, six foot three, two hundred twenty eight pounds, ran a four three three forty, which is insane. Brian, what are your thoughts on on Metcalf? Is he the number one receiver in your eyes? I'm going to say right now, DK Metcalf has bust written all over him. Oh, bold prediction right now, because for a number of different factors, number one, I don't see him as a good route runner at all. He's big, he's fast, runs a lot of go routes, uh, catches the ball down the field a lot. But his, just for instance, his three cone drill was an absolutely terrible 7.38, just by for comparison's sake, the best uh, wide receiver three cone uh, drill was Smile Boykin of Notre Dame, and he had a 6.77. And this is this is going to tell you how unathletic he is in short area quickness. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady has a <laughs> 7.2 second three oh, cone man. drill. So this is a guy who does not get open in short space. He's big, he's fast, he can run down the field, but I don't see this guy as being a productive every you know number one uh, type NFL receiver and that's not even to mention his injury history which he has been right. in every season and sometimes you see these workout warriors these guys who just love to work out all the time there's a lot of times they get injured a lot too so and especially these fast guys that are really big they have a lot of hamstring trouble I'm just not a believer in DK Metcalf and somebody tweeted too that he had something ridiculous like 4.8 body fat percentage or something, which according to science, that means he'd be dead. Uh, so I get it. Like he's got this, he's big and fast. He's got this rare height, weight, and speed combo. Uh, from what you're saying though, he, he has explosion when it comes to like the long go routes, like Randy Moss type routes, but like the everyday, like 90% of routes, like the short, you know, short area routes that like you're talking about, Maybe the explosion's not there on, on those routes. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I don't think and where I've seen him go in, in mock drafts is, is somewhere around number 10, maybe number 10 to Buffalo. But this guy is not a top 10 pick. Somebody who is just going to kind of open up the field for you by running go routes is not somebody you want to take in the top 10 picks of the draft. You don't even want to take him in the top two or three rounds of the draft. So the comp that I've seen the most on DK Metcalf is Josh Gordon. And, you know, I think Josh Gordon, if he had everything correct, on, you know, off the field, on the field, he's, he's one of the best talents we've seen over the last decade at the receiver position. Um, but what it sounds like is Metcalf, 
if he can be like Josh Gordon or like DGB where it's this rare height, weight, speed combo, um, he's like a faster version of those guys, but without the off the field issues. Am I being kind to Metcalf or my insulting Gordon? Would you say? I think you're insulting Gordon there. I mean, yeah. Josh Gordon is the kind of guy who just goes and gets the ball. He he gets open in any kind of route you put him in. That guy's a guy who just goes and he gets open, and then he uses his size once the ball is coming his way to box out defenders and go up and get the ball. And I just don't. You know, with, with Metcalf, I just don't see him as a guy who can get open on all of these other types of routes. So if the corner only has to play him for that go route because he's not worried about his short area quickness and getting open, then he's going to take away his fastball just right there. And his fastball is all he's got. You mentioned the season-ending injuries. He had one in 2016, his freshman year at Ole Miss. A foot injury sidelined him, and he actually missed all of 2017. And then 2018, this past season, didn't finish the year with a neck injury. So not a lot of production in college, you know, some some limited numbers. Um, but, Brian, would you, do you think that if he maybe didn't run the 40 at the combine and put up these ridiculous 40 numbers – and I, I think he did pretty well on the bench. If he doesn't attend the combine, are we even talking about DK Metcalf the way we have been? No, I think he's a late second or third round pick if, if he doesn't, if he's not a workout warrior at the combine. So we talk every year about the run on a certain position group, like, you know, in 2017, uh, when the Titans drafted uh, fifth overall, they take Corey Davis, it starts the run on receivers, right? You know, then John Ross gets picked, and all these guys go off the board after, you know, John Robinson makes that pick. Do you think Metcalf is the receiver this year that makes the run on receivers in the draft? Will he be the first to go? I say, Yeah, I think he will be the first to go, but I don't think he's the most talented. And I don't know that he'll start a run. I think the rest of these guys are – you're looking more in the late teens is when you're, you're going to see them start to go. Some of these names we're about to get to. Mm -hmm. All right, next name here, and this one is this. This is an intriguing guy. This is someone that I have been doing a lot of. Uh, I want to see. I don't want to see film, but I've I've watched a lot of highlights of this guy recently. And this is Marquise Hollywood Brown, the junior receiver out of Oklahoma. He's five foot nine, one hundred and sixty six pounds. So a really small receiver. He didn't run the forty at the combine because he recently had a Liz Frank injury this past season. Uh, terrible foot injury. His comp is Deshaun Jackson. Brian, what are your thoughts on Hollywood Brown? Yeah, I think that's a fair comp. I'm kind of a little bit worried that he could possibly be a Tavon Austin, which is one of those gimmick guys oh boy. Who, who, you know, has a lot of speed, a lot of short area quickness, but just has no size to be able to get open at all. But I, I think – I think Hollywood Brown is a lot more like Deshaun Jackson than he is Tavon Austin. I, th I think this is a guy who can run a number of different routes. He's not afraid to go over the middle of the field. And he is absolutely electric with the ball in his hands. I think he's, I think he's more electric than Deshaun uh, Jackson is with the ball in his hands. And yes. so, yeah, I think you're right. I think Deshaun Jackson's a good comp. I'm also seeing Tyree Kill. Do you see that, that explosion out of Hollywood Brown? Yeah, I could see the Tyreek Hill explosion. I don't think he's as good with the ball on his hands as Tyreek Hill is. Tyreek Hill's just a freak of nature. But I, th I think he's pretty close to it. I think he's probably in between Deshaun Jackson and Tyreek Hill in terms of when he has the ball in his hands and making people miss. 
So I think Hollywood Brown has some, some motivation that I, you know, a lot of receivers in this class and other classes haven't had before. So he was uh, uneligible academically coming out of his high school graduation. By the way, he was 130 pounds when he graduated high school. It's just crazy. Uh, but he, he, he kind of struggled to, to get into the NCAA. He attended the College of the Canyons in California. I think he worked at like a Hardee's or something. I mean, this is a guy who, if he makes it in the league, is going to be a really cool story. Um, but, uh, you know, a guy who's really done it all at going through the different levels and in, in his route to Oklahoma, uh, Jake Stanford is going to love this. His first cousin is Antonio Brown. Oh, yeah. And I've actually seen some comps of, you know, kind of like A.B. He's not – doesn't have the same size, obviously, but, uh, you know, throwing a screen or, or a quick, quick slant, this guy can take it the distance. So uh, do you see him as the, as the number two or in the top three receivers in this class? Yeah, I think he's got a lot of boomer bust potential, but I see him as a top three wide receiver in the class. Yes, he. The only negative to me is he's he's absolutely tiny, and from what I'm hearing, this is certainly not an insult, but the you know academic eligibility portion, I think it's kind of hindered him in the classroom when it comes to uh, when it comes to route running. From what I've read, uh, so like Lance Verline said that this guy is going to need a lot of help uh, understanding and breaking down and learning um, routes. So from what it sounds like is his time at Oklahoma, he was allowed, you know, with Baker Mayfield throwing to him and Kyler Murray, he's kind of allowed to freelance kind of like what we saw with like Kendall Wright with the Titans. So, you know, when it works, it works, but you know, when you're slipping and falling down on routes and, and look lost in the field, it doesn't. So yeah, I think you're right. He's definitely got boomer bust potential. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what Hollywood Brown does. Next receiver here, Brian, that we're going to talk about is Nikhil Harry. This is a guy that I've been hearing about since really his sophomore season. He's the junior from Arizona State. Perfect size almost for a receiver. Six foot two, 228, ran a 4'5", 340 at the combine with a ridiculous 27 reps on the bench. What are your thoughts on the junior from Arizona State? Now, see, yeah, Nikhil Harry is somebody that I like a lot more. Uh, he's a guy – that ran a 40 that was really kind of faster than a lot of people expected. I think he tested athletically a little better than people expected, but he's one of those guys who's just kind of a pure wide receiver. He's, he's one of those, if, I mean, if you want to compare somebody to Josh Gordon, I think he's a much better comparison to Josh Gordon than DK Metcalf is because he's a guy who can run a, the whole route tree, uh, can really get open. And then when the ball's coming his way, he high points it he boxes out the corner he just goes and gets it. Uh, Nikhil Harry is a guy that I really like. I've heard a comp for Nikhil Harry as Allen Robinson uh, coming out of Penn State. Is that, is that a fair comparison? Yeah, I think that's a fair comparison. I think he might be a little bit more explosive. Uh, I don't remember Allen Robinson in college that much, but from what I've seen of him in the pros, I feel like Nikhil Harry might be a little bit more athletic. But I think that's a fair comparison. Of guys, guys who are big, who use their body, who know how to get open in a number of different ways. Watching Harry's tape, he's a back shoulder machine. It's like that's his favorite route. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's almost like times he doesn't have to do back shoulders, he does. It's like, you know, when you're a kid and there's that guy that always, like, jumps for every ball, even when there's no need to jump. He just – he has that back shoulder ability. Uh, but really looking at the numbers and looking at his touchdowns, he wasn't really a red zone guy in college. So maybe that's a concern. But, yeah, I think he's a pretty well-rounded prospect. All right, next one here is A.J. Brown. This is the other receiver from Ole Miss, the junior. He's six foot, 
right at six foot even, 226, and ran a 4.49.40. Brian, what do you think about the other receiver from Ole Miss? Do you like him better than Metcalf? I do like him better than Metcalf. I don't like him better than either Brown or Nikhil Harry that we just talked about or the next guy we're going to talk about. But I like AJ, I like AJ Brown. I, I think he's he's a guy who's he stayed healthy. He showed a lot of productivity. Uh, he's, he's checked all the boxes off in terms of uh, size, his speed. He's super confident, and and you know that's something you really want in your wide receivers. Uh, he's another guy. He excels in the slot too. Uh, this is a guy who's he's a really good all around receiver, and I, I think teams will be pretty high on him too he was uh, he's actually an outfielder so he was drafted in the 19th round as a uh, amateur pick by the san diego padres so this is a well-rounded athlete uh guy and it's not uncommon what you just said i've heard a lot of people say um that you know aj brown probably the better receiver coming out of Ole Miss this year so uh, sort of a sort of a rarity to have two receivers be in the top projected for the top two rounds of a draft but um yeah i, I like aj brown coming out um, from Ole Miss as well. Uh, but we'll move on. You've already mentioned this this next guy or, or we're going to talk about here. This is Paris Campbell from Ohio State University. Brian, what are your thoughts on Paris Campbell? Oh, well, I made a mistake. It's not going to be the next guy we talk about, but it's another guy on this list that is actually my favorite receiver. Paris Campbell is a guy that I think he could be a Percy Harvin light without mm-hmm. all the baggage. He's one of those guys who's kind of like a hybrid uh, running back wide, wide receiver does a lot catch a lot of passes out of the backfield they try to get him in space because he has absolutely elite speed and so he's a guy that I really think he could be that Percy Harvin light he doesn't have the off the field baggage though it seems like and he doesn't uh, have the same injury history either maybe that's what he could be in the pros what, what's your comparison that you have for him I, you know Percy Harvin that's a pretty good comp I mean it seems like it seems like a guy that whoever's under center you know, take the snap maybe from shotgun, immediately spin right or left and, and throw him a bubble screen and he's gone. I mean, he seems like just that blazing speed. Ran a 4-3-1, uh, 40 at the combine. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good comp. I like I like, uh, like Campbell quite a bit. Next name here, Brian, I think this is the one you were talking about, but this is uh, the receiver from the University of Georgia. This is a junior, the younger brother of Calvin Ridley. We're talking about Riley Ridley. Uh, Brian, is this a guy that you like uh, the most coming out of, of Georgia this year? Oh, I, I apologize. It's not him either. <laughs> We've got a couple more down the list from, from my guy. But I like Riley, or Riley Ridley. Um, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't like him as much as the other guys, but I think this is a guy who can be – his ceiling is a really effective number two wide receiver, mm. and those guys are really great to have. Yeah, he sounds like Calvin Ridley. For sure. That's his brother. So. Yeah, so it's probably a good comp. For sure. Yeah, I like Riley Ridley. Uh, we'll just get the other uh, receiver here, too. Uh, Mikul Hardman coming out of, of Georgia as well. So another team with two um, highly discussed receivers. Have you done any, any work on Hardman, uh, Brian? The, uh, I the other receiver? Any, yeah, I haven't done as much on him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I can't, I can't give you as much – He's definitely got some elite speed running a 4-3-3. Right. Uh, and, and all of his other uh, numbers that he tested for at the Combine were great, too. Um, got some pretty small hands. I can see they're, they're only 9-inch hands. Uh, that's definitely on the lower end. He's 5'10", 187. So he's really going to have to get out in space uh, to, to be effective. 
Uh, probably going up against smaller corners. He probably doesn't look as good against the bump and run. Yeah, he's a guy I see him as like a, a third or a fourth round pick. I think he can be an effective guy in the NFL, but you know, I'm just not quite sure what he is yet. Brian, this next guy here, this is another SEC receiver. This one coming from the University of South Carolina. This is Debo Samuel, another smaller guy, uh, but you know, projected to possibly become an NFL starter pretty soon here. What are your thoughts on the Gamecock Samuel? Yeah, he's five foot eleven. Uh, he's not small exactly. He's two fourteen, and he was a really physical receiver in his time at South Carolina. But what I really love about this guy is he's probably the best route runner in the class. Uh, he checks off a lot of boxes athletically too. Uh, he's a guy who's really uh, dynamic with the ball in his hands as well. This is a guy I like. He's got everything but that you know that height. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty. I I said small. I meant short. But yeah, he's a bigger guy. Watching him on some of these highlights of him, he's you know a big hand guy. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to see where Samuel lands because he's a guy of, of this top ten. I haven't heard his name too much because we've just spent so much time, or I've heard so many people talking about you know, Metcalf and Hollywood Brown. So uh, Samuel could be a sneaky guy. You know, some of these GMs, some of these scouts might value higher than the media, which always tends to happen every year in the draft. Uh, but this next name here, Brian, this is the one that I'm pretty sure you've been, you've been hinting at or you've been wanting to talk about. And this is the six foot five redshirt junior from Iowa State, Hakeem Butler. Brian, why is he your favorite receiver in this draft class? Yeah, it's just I, it might be because I saw him so often. It feels like he was running all through the Oklahoma defense every time I ever saw him play against Oklahoma. It's it may be that, but it's he's just a guy. He's another one of those guys. I know you mentioned this with Harry, but he's another one of those guys who really excels at that back shoulder catch. Mm-hmm. He's got incredible. He's got really great athleticism. Ran a four four eight forty. He's got great size. He's shown an, an amazing ability to break tackles. But maybe what I like the most about him is just where he would be available. I mean, this is a guy who you're not hearing a lot of hype on. And then, you know, we're talking back half of the second round, maybe beginning Mm. of the third. And I think you're just going to be getting a tremendous value right there. A guy who maybe he is, maybe he isn't the best wide receiver in the class, but I think he's far and away the best value. He's certainly the tallest. I mean, six foot five, that's just, that's, that's pretty tall for a receiver. I mean, the guys we've talked about already met, Calf is only 6'3", Nikhil Harry is only 6'2", so uh, definitely the, the biggest, the tallest receiver in this class, and he's a guy that I really like to watching him on film and from everything that I've read about the guy, but it seems like his name is being picked up here lately, and he's, you know, he's, getting, he's being known as that high-jumping receiver, and from what I've seen, so this was a mock draft that SB Nation did, and he actually went in the first round in a mock draft today to at number 29 to the Kansas City Chiefs so um imagine him with with Patrick Mahomes I mean that'd be just ridiculous that would be ridiculous all right and then the the next name here Brian we'll move on from Butler because I'm sure we're going to talk about him as an early pick Miles Boykin from Notre Dame Uh, another tall receiver six foot four he's a senior weighs 220 uh, ran a 4.42. So for that size and weight, 4.42 is pretty impressive. What are your thoughts on Miles Boykin? Yeah, Miles Boykin was the guy I like too. Um, he's he's was productive. He's super incredibly athletic. You mentioned the 4.42, but he already had, and I think we mentioned this on a previous podcast, had a 43 and a half inch vertical, mm-hmm. um, 140 inch broad jump. So this is a guy. Those those are two numbers I always look at that gives you an idea of. You know, somebody's real short area athleticism and explosiveness. 
And he, he checks off both of those boxes. And at 6'4", 220, you just you can't teach that size. I don't mm-hmm. think he's as polished as some of the other guys that we've mentioned. But he's a guy that I think would definitely be moldable. And he's, he's already played in, in something of, that is reminiscent of a pro offense there at Notre Dame with Brian Kelly. Yeah, a, a common comp that I've seen for him is Kenny Galladay of the Detroit Lions, which I, I see with him. Uh, I, you know, I like watching Boykin. Uh, like you said, probably not as polished as some of these other guys. And from what I've seen, he's not really physical. He's a guy that you know, he'll get jabbed at the line of scrimmage and maybe get kicked back. But um, it just, it just seems like a freak athlete between all of his, uh, his combine numbers. So uh, Boykin might not be a guy that gets drafted in the first couple of rounds, but uh, has a, he's a guy that we could see, uh, you know, in the fantasy boards here uh, heading into um, you know, the start of the season, depending on what team drafts them. We just talked about the top 10 receivers in this draft, and at no point besides you, of course, with Metcalf because of, of, you know, your, your projection of him being a bust, but at no point did we scoff or did we, you know, were we bored talking about these receivers like we were with the running backs last week? I think it's a pretty encouraging sign. This is a pretty deep receiver class. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I, there's a lot of athleticism. There's a ton of potential. And a lot of these guys are really productive in college. And, and I think you add all those things together. And I think you're going to see one of the, one of the better wide receiver classes we've had in the last 10 years. So between all of the different classes we've talked about, because this kind of wraps up our, our preview, obviously. This is the last week before the NFL draft on Thursday. We talked quarterbacks and tight ends. We talked running backs, and we talked receivers. You don't have to really rank them, but which, which group or which position do you think is the strongest in this year's, uh, in this year's draft? From the fantasy positions, I would, I would definitely say wide receiver. I think it's, it's the deepest. Uh, it's, it's the strongest at the top. Um, I, th- I think it's I think it's the best position from a fantasy perspective. I think the second best is tight end. I really do. I, I think this is, you know, similar to the receivers. There isn't just a tight end that is far and away the best. There is no uh, Gronk in this class or anything like that. But I, I think this is a pretty strong class for tight ends as well. So if you're a team that is just needing help at receiver, whether it's wide receiver or a tight end, this is a really good class for you. Um, running back obviously not that great and personally I don't think the quarterback class is that great outside of Kyler Murray so um, looking at last year's receiver class I just wanted to go back here not a great class overall especially when you look at the high picks Brian all these guys to me feel like wide receiver number twos Um, so the first receiver that came off the board was DJ Moore to the Carolina Panthers last year I think injuries put him behind but not a great rookie season Uh, Calvin Ridley was the second receiver Solid number two. I don't see him being a number one receiver, especially with Julio Jones there. Uh, and then you have guys in the second round like Cortland Sutton, who I think made an appearance on H and F. Is that right? He did. I believe so. Yeah, Cortland Sutton, not a huge playmaker, and as long as he's in Denver with their quarterback situation, I just don't see Sutton doing anything. Dante Pettis, Christian Kirk. Anthony Miller, I mean, these are all number two, number three, even number four receivers. So I think in comparison, even last year, this class of receivers is, is something to uh, be excited about. Tweet of the week. All right, Zach, do you have a tweet of the week? Nothing, just a bunch of likes for the Braves. A bunch of oh, likes, yeah. Uh, what's, what's been going on uh, down at almost the Turner Field? What's it called now? Sun, Sun Trust Sun. Bank? 
SunTrust Park. Yeah. SunTrust and, Park. And uh, the Braves, not a good series. We just got swept by the Diamondbacks. Our relief, our our bullpen is horrendous right now. Yeah, all, the whole fan base is calling for them to sign Craig Kimbrell. And um, it's not good. It's not good at the moment. Yeah, I, I just realized the formula to get Zach engaged in a podcast during draft season is you mentioned Tiger Woods, the Masters, or the Atlanta Braves. Yep. I think this is like the third week in a row I've tried to reel you back in with Brave Stock, so I'm happy I can do it. I appreciate it. it. Yeah, thanks for throwing me a bone. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Uh, my tweet of the week here, this was from Adam Sternberg, and I think you probably saw this, Zach, because it has over 33,000 retweets. But this is just a screenshot, and it says, Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you Twitter. And someone uh, tweeted at the Toronto Blue Jays and said, Did you trade smoke, smock? And the official Blue Jays account responded to this person and says, no, he has neck tightness and could be available to pinch hit if needed. He writes back to the Blue Jays and says, source, question mark. And the Blue Jays, with one of the best responses on Twitter of the calendar year so far, says, literally literally us, the Blue Jays. They're the source. So I thought that was a pretty good response. Yeah, that's good. All right, Brian, I don't think you're on Twitter, so I would open it up for you, but. No, no, it's, it's not going to happen. It's probably best you stay off Twitter. Yeah, it's it's just it's a cesspool. Yeah, like you you've gained years on your life. Yes, I'm happy about those years. All right, hopefully Dan Patrick will make an appearance at the draft so we can get Zach to uh, to you know travel west on I-40. But guys, really appreciate it, Brian. You're the best man. This has been a lot of fun talking uh, the prospects of this draft. I meant to tell you guys, but next week Jacob Adams of uh, IDP still suck. Almost forgot the name. He and I are actually going to a draft event on Tuesday night, and this is kind of a charity event. Uh, but Dave McGinnis, who is the uh, color commentator for the Titans, for Titans Radio, and my favorite draft analyst, Greg Cosell of ESPN, the matchup show, and NFL Films, they are going to do an event in Nashville, and we're going to go, and we're going to hear them talk about all the top prospects in the draft. So um, cool. I, will, I will report back after the draft. Sounds good. Brian, do you want to come on for like a post-draft episode? We can recap, you know, who went where. Let's definitely do that. I'd love to get in on the discussion about who we think is going to have the biggest impact depending on where they were drafted. All right. That is the last episode before the draft. We look forward to it one week from tonight. It is going to be a lot of fun here in Music City. So we will look forward to seeing you guys next time. Here goes nothing. That's a W. That's E1.